Hello and welcome to Dungeoneer, a podcast dedicated to discussing Dungeons and Dragons. That's my bird. And you're, sp- and you're supposed to say, and I'm Josh. You said that's my bird? And that's where I was supposed to yeah, come well, in? she flew... Yes, it, well, she flew off my stand. Did you not hear it? No, not... I mean, I heard a little bit of... I heard... Yeah, I mostly heard your gaps I'm in Aaron. conversation. And I'm Josh. Finally, jeez. Let's do <laughs> All right. Yes, so I was the one messing that up. That was had, me. That was your fault. Absolutely. And now my bird <laughs> is freaking out. She's clearly goodness. she's well, anyways. Well, energetic. I. So this week, normally I don't prepare for the lukewarm open. That was very loud. Week, I prepared. <laughs> that was very, very loud. This week I prepared for the lukewarm open and you're going to be surprised. You're going to be very surprised. It's a controversial topic, though. Are you ready? Mm hmm. Star Wars. Okay. Okay. First and foremost, we have to get this out of the way before we even discuss the real portion of the lukewarm open. KOTOR is one, the best and games. Three. Yes. No, no. One, two, and three, or four, five, and six? Which one? What do you mean? Which group of movies do you like better? Are, are better? Um, I think from a technical standpoint, um, four, five, and six. Say what I think you're going to say. Oh. But, but I was a child when one, two, and three came out. What about the out. Pallies? But no, I was a child when 1, 2, and 3 came out. So I highly I enjoy be... those. I like Jar Jar. I don't, okay, let me correction. Correction on that last statement. I don't Are like you Jar be one Jar. Of the, I like both. Yes. Oh, but it was only because I was a child that, that it just felt like it was appealing to me at that age, which is really not what that movie should have been appealing to. And that was part of why it was so bad, is just it, it was not really. Were you like well four it. when they came out? I don't remember. <laughs> yes, yeah, because you were four. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't think so. That sounds too young. I was super young. I was super young when those came out. Which uh oh gosh um Sorry, was episode one. My bird. I was one year old when the first one Star the Phantom Menace came out. <laughs> but you remember? <laughs> you remember? <laughs> I do. No, I've, but- I've watched those movies so many times though. Well, I was hoping it wasn't going to be like a Lord of the Rings thing where you're like, oh, I don't watch Lord of the Rings very much. Isn't what do you mean? I watch Lord of the Rings. I thought you're like not a big fan. Uh, oh, you just like the books more, which is that was it. Take. Yes. Yeah, that was not a hot take. Yeah, 2002 Ugh, and 2005. Yikes. And now you're one of those Star Wars fans who's like, I like both. Ugh, gross. I mean, I, I, I can, I, le- One, I, two, think, and three I think, we, I think everybody superior. can, even the people who quotation marks hate one, two, and three can, I mean, if they're serious, they can laugh at the hilarity of the writing in one, two, and three. One, it's two, and three are clearly superior. So Not even a contest. Not even a contest. Jar Jar, great character, evil Sith Lord, we all know. Yeah, it. he's an evil Sith Just, Lord that's going to take over the world. That's amazing. And he's doing, pretending to be this brilliant. moron. Yep, brilliant storytelling, you know? It's great. You just can't beat one, two, and three. But I do Especially really hate Anakin. sand. It's rough and it's coarse and it gets everywhere. You know, but though true words have never been spoken. <laughs> yeah, but there's a difference He's not between wrong. truly true written words and writing for a movie. There's a movie. I think yeah, it's called The Room. The movie is called The Room. Times? If you look at any scene from this movie, the the just the conversations they're having are the most inane, like, there's a thing in screenwriting where you, each each sentence and thing said has to have, 
like has to progress the story in some way. You only have an hour or something, sometimes even two hours something, to get this whole movie and ideas across. So everything has to be moving and progressing the storyline. Not like in a book where you can kind of dilly-dally and kind of dwell on certain things and kind of expand things as you as you want. In The Room, it's so... Like, I'm going to show you some videos at, at when we're done recording because it is hilariously terrible. But see, you also have to relate to people. You know what people can relate to? Sand. Sand being how irritating? Many times, how many times have you gone to the beach... You climbed into your tent afterwards, and you have sand in your sleeping bag. Too many. Too many. Mm -hmm. <laughs> your silence scares me. Uh, I give you, you an... Mm -hmm. to sand. <sighs> rough. That's I a rough can, tip. but it's just... Just yeah, like there's... sand. <laughs> yeah. But anyways. Okay. Anyways. This debate has nothing to do with the lukewarm open. I'm just being so loud. Come back over here. Eating my laundry basket. Yes, she's eating it. Anyways, um... But it has nothing to do with this debate. It actually has has to do with the best part of the Star Wars movie. Can you guess what that is? I don't know. What is the best part of a Star Wars movie? No, no, Sounds no. Sounds like if it's you were the beginning of a best, rattle. Be joke. Best educated guess. Best educated guess. Lightsaber rattles? Mm. Mm. Come, come on. You think I'd I got be it? That I got simple? it. Simple. Economy, econ like um, trade discussions. Best parts of any Star Wars okay, movie. That's pretty good. That's pretty <laughs> good. But that's not what I'm thinking. That's not what I'm thinking. You got one more one more guess. Uh, scenes where you have to sit in front of the council. No, pod racing. Oh, pod racing. Okay. How, how do we would put you pod racing in D and D? How would you run pod racing in D and D? Now, it doesn't have to be like machines or steampunk machines, which would be pretty cool though. But any would, kind of magical like racing, enhancement on your horse. How would you run it? Magical. It's it's a it's a racing. But you have to, it's like all the, the riders are spellcasters. They can do any, they can cast any spell as long as it only affects them and their steed. So some people do like uh, reduce on themselves. Other people enlarge their steed. Uh, people cast haste or um, uh, long strider. In a and I don't know. Before? I don't know, but it makes sense. For some, like, just give them a... For some reason, I feel like it has. I've never heard it, but... But yeah, so like they can only cast it on themselves and on their on their on their whatever mount they have. They're, Damn, they're polymorph! Definitely... I turn into an eagle. Can't catch me. I think it has to be on the ground. I think the 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 thing has to be on the ground. So you you can't cast fly and get a sixty foot movement speed. It has to be like long strider or haste or um. I, I don't, I don't even know if you would allow teleport crowd. I think it has to. I think it has to cross these certain things, and so you can't just keep teleporting. So like there's there's like um, rally mean, marks where you have the to hit. Easiest answer would be like hypnotic pattern, and then everybody is just. Well, no, that's what I said. That's why I said it, it cannot affect the other racers. It has to just be you. Ah, you and your mount. Boy. You can affect them in haste, any way. That's what I was saying. Yeah, haste, long strider, um, anything that kind of makes you move quicker. Uh, I think you can even. I do like, like the idea of. I like the idea of like movement hindering spells towards other people, like like the growth, like the difficult terrain spells that make terrain difficult, or like. See, I think I think that would be okay. I don't I, as long as it's not like damaging. I think the big thing is, but I that's the thing. I think there's already that. I think the part of this challenge of this race is that there are obstacles they have to overcome. So some people they don't go the speed route when they're boosting their their animal in them. They do like. Um, I forget what it's called. 
Um, but like the you choose that like there's like four options of like animal like cat's grace and like bear's strength and like oh, all these yeah. things enhanceability enhanceability that's one and so some people cast enhanceability to make sure that their their animal can overcome these whatever obstacles are in the way and like so people yeah, would you can make, do it would you make like there be checks and stuff like athletics checks yes and stuff oh for, for sure there'd be athletics check there'd be strength checks there'd be um constitution to make sure they can keep moving like all these things i have actually run pod racing before in my campaign believe it or not pod racing or like little... just animal racing almost pod racing it's almost pod racing it's i called it sky sail racing and essentially you're like have you ever seen through the um, tunnels through the tunnels in yeah, the, yeah, um, through, uh, yeah through the tunnels in Ravenbridge. okay yeah you did talk yeah, about yeah. this on the on the podcast before yeah and what i did is i like made people do like piloting checks athletics checks stuff like that as they go through these tunnels mm-hmm. and it's funny because i gave i gave what i did is i like made a big chart of like stuff you can put on your sky sail so i had like saws that you could put on the back of your sky sail like cut people's sails i, d- I did like harpoons that you could like pin them to walls <laughs> it was crazy <laughs> that does sound terrible i even i named like, I made, like a ton of i made like a ton of different uh sky sails like their their names and like the people who piloted them and like personalities and stuff it was crazy <laughs> interesting it was actually really fun the party didn't do it very much they only did it once but yeah it it didn't work out well they were gonna do it more but then they got into a whole lot of trouble in the city for uh, mm. many different reasons but um yeah it was super fun mostly like, you, the you dm could, like, that's the biggest reason i had like a i had like a sadistic like creepy person and he like attached hooks Sebulba. to his a Sebulba. body just say a Sebulba. Well, yeah sort of kind of yeah but he like attached hooks all through his body to like hook himself to his board <laughs> so he had, horrifying like, meat hooks impaled into his legs and stuff yeah <laughs> it was great <laughs> well i but think I i'm gonna like cut it here of, like i like the idea of running horses though with like spells that'd be really fun yeah yeah no i think i'm gonna cut it here because actually reminds me um, no no you're not no it reminds <sighs> me of have you ever seen the episode of pokemon <laughs> Where they do the oh, gosh. races, where there's like a guy on an electrode, <laughs> guy on like like I vaguely. Think, oh man, that is like that. vaguely hitting some sort of <laughs> ancient memory that's hidden in my memory banks. I'm like, I vaguely remember a dude on a oh, Voltron, and I'm like, what is he doing up there? How do you sit on a ball? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make sense. Good. Time. Good times. Okay, we. They're like, there. I love, I love the animators. Like, I know. We're gonna do a Pokemon race. You gotta have someone out of Ultra. Like, He's riding you, the what are you gonna don't do if you don't? Oh, like what <laughs> other so what good. other racing Pokemon could there be? This ball that works great. There was like a Do- yeah, there was a Dodrio, the bird one, the three headed bird Pokemon that they were yeah. riding. Somebody was. Well, that one they're quick, a bunch, which makes sense. A Tauros, which is the bull. Yeah, it was good times. Yeah. Okay, cutting in here. Anyways, now, yeah, yeah. Was- Anyways. I've been wanting to make an episode about this topic for since like episode two. We're going to be talking about the floating city of Tholtenthar. Now, in episode two, we discussed Netheril and Karsis. Netheril was a society of advanced, uh, incredibly powerful magic. And Karsis was one of their best and most gifted wizards. This was from a time before what we think of as modern magic in D&D. At this time, you could cast spells over ninth level, and there was a lot less restrictions on who even had magical potential. But as their society had massive amounts of magic used throughout, 
it inevitably attracted creatures that consume magic. They were uniquely equipped to take on the Netherese. Karsis, in an attempt to take the place of the goddess of magic, using a 12th level spell of his own design, it worked, but the goddess of magic had many tasks she completed all of the time to make sure that magic and the world continued to function correctly. Without knowing how and what to do, Karsis couldn't complete these tasks, and the world was immediately plunged into chaos, and Netheril's magically floating cities all stopped working and plummeted, nearly killing all of them. Fultanthar, though, yeah, Fultanthar was different. Yeah, they had seen ahead to the destruction of the floating cities, and they escaped the material plane going into the Shadowfell before the collapse. Now, before I get in too much into this topic... I want to say uh, later on, I will be spoiling the story of somewhat of the story of uh, what I can only imagine is an amazing trilogy, Return of the Archwizards by Troy Denning, because from the lore I learned alone, I was hooked. So one thing I know for sure is that, oh, I for sure am. The overall story of Return of the Wizards, the Archwizards, is so good and intriguing I'm definitely going to read it. Uh, And if you're okay with spoilers, keep listening. Otherwise, I'd suggest you stop and read the books and then come back to this episode. Or skip to the cool world building part that we're doing at the end. I worry we might uh, spoil some stuff there. But if you feel comfortable with that and a few little spoilers, then go for it. Now, before we get into Tholtanthar, we need to know about the man who made it. Tholtanthar, like all of the other floating cities, were the creation of one wizard who ruled over their city and kept it afloat. Tholtanthar was made by one Telemont Tanthul. Now, Telemont was a very... Telemont? Yes, Telemont. Now, Telemont was a... Telemont, yes. T-E-L-A-M-O-N-T. Telemont. I was trying to think of, like, Telemont ice cream joke, but I just couldn't think of one, so... (laughs) Now, Telemont was a very intelligent wizard, but he had some ideas that were not common at the time and devoted himself to shadow magic. At this time, he was actually... Why? Why? What's wrong with shadow magic? That's... It's just... That's just... That's where everything goes wrong. At this time, he was actually studying magic in the city of Ilinar, which was Karsus's floating city. While studying there... Like scientists in the real world, he published a paper on his discoveries, claiming the existence of demiplanes. Now, at this time, they had the Great Wheel cosmology and the World Tree cosmology and a few others as well. And they couldn't wrap their heads around how those cosmologies would exist and demiplanes could exist in this already established and factually backed systems of these cosmologies. Wow, now, D&D a good lore goes real. Yeah, deep. a good way to, to like relate this to real world to like think about this situation is like Galileo's historical discovery and claim that our solar system was heliocentric, meaning meaning that it revolves around the sun. Now, at this time, the Catholic Church what? was in charge and saw that as a direct competition to their beliefs, which they had associated strongly with the geocentric view, meaning that. Since the Bible's here and about us, and the Earth must be the center of our solar system. Galileo was shunned and 
was considered heretical, and actually after publishing a paper defending his stance, he was put under house arrest by the Roman Inquisition because of it. Telemont Tanthul... I was there. I remember that. <laughs> Telemont Tanthul was not treated any better and was pretty much exiled because of it. Now, yeah, I was there for that one too, actually. I remember that really well. Me, me and Telemont go way back. Yeah. Yeah, we go way back. We used to sit and enjoy a nice cup of tea. Now, oh, it was good Carsis believed and in the he came out with this theory on demi Now, Carsis believed in the advancement of magic and science. So he granted Telemont, who had earned the moniker of Shadow for his studies, asylum and the chance to continue his research. Telemont gathered other and If shun- I remember correctly, if I remember correctly because I was there for this story, this doesn't end it well. It ends pretty well. Dang it. I thought I, you know, I had a no, 50, 50 chance. No, Shadow <laughs> Magic is not mean badness. Shadow Magic's actually actually pretty good. Um, now, Telemont gathered other researchers shunned like him to aid him, and they researched for 11 years before they were prepared to publish. And with Carsis's blessing, they published Shadows, the Palpable Cohesion of Formless Corpiality. In this work, D lore is way it's too so deep. It's so good, dude. It's so good. Oh, I what love all heck? of this. I was, I had so much fun researching this topic. Like, it was so much fun. Uh, in this wo- book, I will say the name again because I love it. Shadows: The Palpable Cohesion of Formless Corporeality. Oh, and in it, what he discussed that Debbie planes are like shadows. Oh uh, no! In this work, he was planes. able to. Prove the existence of demiplanes and place them into the cosmology already established. This, of course, was a success and led to restrictions on demiplane research being completely removed and Telemont's exile officially ending. Oh, what a true man. Now, Telemont, having had all restrictions on his life removed, began to live a normal life, trying to find love and continue his research in peace as a now well-known member of the Netherese Society. It was even stated that his school, where he uh, published his first paper, which actually got him exiled, uh, had its atten- attendance jump 30% when his second paper was published, purely because he went there. Wait, did you say 32%? 30%. They even have percentage points that he grew because of... Oh my no, gosh. That, that the school got the Wait, attendance jump was 30% to the school. Like, they... Yes, dude. Yeah, lore, man. But, like, holy cow. They're literally thinking, so what would happen to his school? Yes, it's amazing. <laughs> but no, so these, these are because a lot of these stories happen in books. So the writers of, this, of these books think about all the different changes that would happen yeah, it's just because a, of these huge events. Amount of, yeah. yeah. So it's the same as, like... Yeah, just a huge amount of writers and yeah, writing. It's the same amount as, like lord of the rings where he thinks about all these different things and how the world changes based on what happens in his stories now telemont did end up falling in love with alishar crywins her name alishar crywins yes but tragically josh you're way too excited about this (laughs) i'm sorry i love this i love this story so much we haven't even got to the best part yet gosh you're like giddy i can't even see you but you're already giddy (laughs) but tragedy struck when it was discovered that she was actually sent there to kill him by another arch wizard but in the end true love rang out when neither was able to kill each other they instead faked their deaths with simulacrums and escaped to his favorite demiplane the demiplane of shadows or more commonly known as 
the shadow fell oh wait wait that's his favorite plane he's so messed up there's gotta it's be shadow magic dude he he invested his life into shadow magic i told of you of course it was gonna be the shadow fell that he loves shadows I told you shadow magic is Dude, bad. Dude, he follows Char. He follows place. the the major evil deity of shadows and darkness, Char. Yeah. I, I told you it was bad, and you're like, no, this is great. Shadow magic yeah, is, is the best. It is. Josh, I am concerned about you. You should. You should I, be. I'm concerned about um, you, Josh. So they spent time there in the Shadowfell, happily married, but later returned under different guises. Telemont became... <sighs> wait, wait, wait. We gotta stop happily married in the shadow yeah. fell yeah. what yeah. it's it's like what are they doing dude. like talking with demons and there's death a, monsters there's, there's like death monsters that? there's not demons there i mean i'm sure there's a few but and they like oh hello my death telemont became known as and and his guys that he hid under was wait the lord wait, shadow wait, wait is there like happily married like at the end of a dark horrible cul-de-sac with terrible disgusting wood and a rotted picket fence like is that is that what i'm not sure i'm not sure <laughs> how they, they lived like um and he created Tholtenthar when he returned and he established it as kind of like a mid-range city in netheril it wasn't one of the best it wasn't one of the worst and so it didn't draw attention before the destruction of it was just right folly the lord shadow telemont teleported the city to the plane of shadow mere days before the destruction when Telemont went to return the city, he had trouble getting the city back to Death Roll. It ended up taking about a week before he could successfully get them back. And he saw the destruction of all of the cities fallen. And he made a logical assumption that it was wrong. That, uh, it was wrong, but it was logical. He blamed their enemy, the Feyrim, for all of this destruction. He stayed him in the city stayed for a few days searching for survivors and he planned to seek vengeance but inevitably he realized that it was foolish with one city he could not defeat all of the Faerim and in the end returned to the Shadowfell for protection vowing one day to return and rebuild the empire now since this city was heavily involved in shadow magic as the lord and creator of it was the clerics of the city were pretty much predominantly Shar worshippers, as was Telemont. After the city's return to the Shadowfell, the clerics of Shar were able to divine the true reason for the destruction of Nethril, seeing Karsus and his poorly planned out spell and how it destroyed everything. Since Shar was a Trixie god, on her whim, they were only allowed to tell the noble families in Thar. And they could not tell Telemont. So he continued to believe that the Feyrim were responsible. Due to some consequences, Tholtenthar's excursion into the Shadowfell lasted a lot longer than Telemont planned. And in the end, they stayed there for over 1,700 years. In the Shadowfell, they had to battle a lot of shadowy evils of the Shadowfell. Over this long time, the denizens of the city became more and more attuned to the Plane of Shadow, like many of the other inhabitants, such as the Shatter Kai. These attuned citizens of Tholtenthar were in the end given a new name for their race. They were called Shadowvar. But the rulers of the city, mainly this consists of Telemont and twelve of his sons, they became something greater. They turned themselves into full-on shades, fully attuning with shadow and granting po granted power 
over and from it. They became known as the Princes of Shade. They would also do this process for any who served Shar in the city and proved themselves worthy. Now, I just want to say here, as I was researching all of this, I just kept falling into deeper and deeper lore pits, finding amazing people. Uh, like, I want to dive into Telemont's family so bad. Their stories are, are really interesting, but I'm not going to be able to do all that in this episode and still have time for our homebrew section. Nah, we have plenty of time. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going uh, to kind of rush to this podcast? last part. <laughs> So, my favorite so far Meligaunt. was his youngest son, Melagont, who tricks an evil, ma- who tricks an elvish mage <laughs> Wait, <what>? <laughs> named Galeron Nimidi, Nimedu into releasing the Faerim onto the material plane again. Now, if anybody, I would suggest this highly, look up a picture of Galeron Nimedu, like the one on the Forgotten Realms. I posted it in our Discord, Aaron. Wait, he is I a have stylish to look man. Your claims are correct. Is he truly like, stylish? Like he's looking good. Oh boy! Wow, dude, he's got a oh, nice yeah, little dude. stash going on with that nice little. Uh, no, he. Oh what a yeah. Oh man, handsome oh, it's a boy. a very thick mustache. It is. He is. He is styling. Son. Dude, but, but, but yeah, he's got like no, a feather he tr- hat. Too. He tricks him into re- well, he's he's a rip. Wow. What a oh, man. he's so dude. He is he is on uh, on par. He's amazing. Now, he tricks him into releasing the Faerim onto the material plane again after they were caught by another race, which I went down into another lore hole about called the Sharn. But that's going to be a topic for another week. Now, right. in episode ten, we talked about the god Shar, who I've mentioned a few times already in this episode. She created a shadow weave, a different source of magic that can be used to cast unique spells. Melagant, Galeron, and some others traveled together trying to defeat this, these freed Faerim. And during the travels, Melagant taught Galeron and of how to use and access the shadow weave. And in the end, Galeron oh, ended up overindulging it, and it changed him. Galeron is an elf. But his uh, is an elf, but his overall uses of the shadow weave broke him from his connection to the reverie. Now, the reverie is an incredibly complex topic, <laughs> totally for another time. But simply explained, it's what elves go into when they meditate, only having to rest for half of the time. It's called the reverie. Disconnected from this, he has to sleep and dream like a human. Now, Galeron is actually the uh, main character for those books I talked about. Is he a wizard? Uh, Return of the Arch Wizard. So wizard? all of this is in those books. He looks and like it's just he looks like so like cool. Uh, like he's a, a sorcerer. Fencer. He's a sorcerer. Well, so that's the thing. He's a sorcerer that he got kicked out. This this is this topic for another episode. But I I researched so much and I loved him. Uh, so he's a sorcerer that got kicked out of the sorcerer that uh, kicked out of the wizard school because he is like, screw you. I'm not going to be a, I'm not going to learn to do things like a wizard. I'm not going to read. I'm not going to study. I'm not going to keep a spell book. Literally not keeping a spell book was like the biggest thing that got him kicked out. And so after that, he switched ah. to a school that was more for being a knight and fencing and that kind of stuff. Ah, and so he is a sorcerer like fighter. A, uh, a he looks like he he definitely. And I also just noticed he does look like a fencer. 
Yeah. I also just noticed that in the Discord, yeah, he, he actually put, he trains like, so yeah. emoji next to his picture. <laughs> wow, dude. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. I Wait, I I, was that, uh, I reacted to my picture like ooh. Uh, okay yeah yeah there we go <laughs> ooh now yeah now <laughs> you got distracted uh, by by Gal Galeron um, in the end Gal he's a distracting he's a distracting Galeron Nehemedu now oh, in the end things happen that I don't want to spoil Spoilers. but they go to find Carsus's heart they go to find Carsus's heart. All the while, Melagant keeps where they're going a secret, only saying that they could defeat the Faerim with this. In the end, Melagant must transfer his knowledge to Galeron, sharing all about Karsis, the City of Shade, Tholsenthar, the Shadow Weave, everything. Even that he is a member of these Princes of Shade. Using the heart of Karsis, Galeron is able to transport Tholsenthar back to the Material Plane where they defeat the Faerim and begin to expand their empire again for the next 13 years. And the reason why Thultanthar is was uniquely positioned to defeat the Faerim, even though they were technically Netherese, and the Netherese were really bad at fighting them, the Shadow Weave that they had gotten connected with from Shar was not affected in the same way that the real Weave was. Faerim could not get energy from the Shadow Weave in the same way. Now, Tholtanthar was finally destroyed after 113 years and brought to the ground by the powerful wizard with a crazy amount of books about him, Elminster Almer, who defeated Telamont and brought the city down when him and other powerful heroes battled Shar and prevented her from destroying Mistra, the goddess of magic, Jeez, and is, replacing the regular weave with her crazy. shadow weave. It's so much and so cool. I love this. Now, that was a lot, and I had a lot of fun researching this one. Oh, my. What do you think we should talk about this week, Aaron? Should we make a magical floating city? Should we make some of this crazy uh, oh lore? Man. Like, I mean, what do you think? A magical floating city would be fun. But, I mean, the whole story isn't necessarily about a magical mm -hmm. floating city. I mean, it's about so much. No. I mean, it's, it's kind of what all context for... <laughs> okay. Why don't I had we create, no idea. That's why I asked. Why you. don't we create a magical city, like a floating city? That'd be kind of fun. We okay. Yeah, we haven't done do that. We haven't done that yet. Yeah. Right? Let's create a magic city. That's what I. That's what my original thought was. However, I'm thinking something a little bit different. Yeah. With this, we haven't. Tiny no. bit different. Are you open to? Okay. Different? I think we should I, make I gotta it know, like a cool uh, what you're thinking city. before I can say yes or no to that answer. Like a city that, that floats throughout the clouds, but is completely abandoned and like. Pretty much just open and left to history. Did you say? A is there a goose? Yes. 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 Yep. Is there a goose yep. who poops Cannon. golden eggs? Yep. Yep. And a beanstalk yep. that yep. descends from the ground, descends late. from the city to the ground. It's too late now. <laughs> well, so okay, um, okay, so I I say what we do is we create oh, man. a bunch of floating cities, like not not like. We don't have to go super the into detail, but we create like like a reason why there are floating cities. But no, yes, something like that. But one of them is still operational because I still want a real working floating city. But the other ones 
something happened. And maybe it's going to happen to that one eventually. Maybe it's something like whatever is allowing it to like live and operate. Maybe they only last so long. And maybe they're they're trying whatever they can to keep the heart of the city alive. But all the other ones inevitably either gave up, died, or like something happened to the heart. And maybe maybe it was even maybe it became a civil war. Maybe the they found that they could prolong their heart by taking the heart of others. So they all began to war against each other to protect their city multiple cities and then a history between mo- these multiple yeah. cities i mean i don't think we need to go super in depth on each city but just have like the lore of the cities thought of how did they come to be was it one race one nation like what how did they rise up was it there is a there's a uh, i think it's a 11th level spell it might have been 10th level uh it's called proctives move mountain and that is how people create floating cities. It literally takes the top off of a mountain and flips it upside down and floats it. That, that's a that's, dangerous That is spell. what can, this like, whole spell you, like, does. Where it goes, or is it just floating and forever? And so, um, I'm not sure exactly the rules of it, but I mean, it's a 10th level spell, so you can't cast it now with the rules of D&D and Mistra and all the weave being you modified. Could, like, you can, like, uh, I will drop check that it, sucker though. in on some of your enemies, and they'd be Octaves move mountain. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it sheared off a mountaintop and inverted and levitated it. Yeah, that's the like real description. The whole description we're getting here. Um, the material components for this fell were a mythalar, which needed to be placed in the new city within two weeks, a magical device that allowed flying or levitation, okay, and well, a crystal I mean, ball. So what other reasonable reason? Like what are the reasonable reasons? What other <laughs> reasonable things do we have that would make a city float? I mean, we got the gods did it. We've got wizards. Um, We've got secret magic. Well, people who live in, in, in cloud cities, cloud giants, only cloud giants, only specifically okay. cloud giants. So what do we want to do then? Do we want to make it like wizards did it? What do we want? What do we want? My bird is being so loud. Holy yeah, moly. Very loud. Constantly. Yeah. What do we want speaking. to do? <laughs> um, I want it to be a, I want it to be. So one of the spell components for. Proctive's Move Mountain is Mithalar, which we have talked about previously, I believe. Um, uh, yeah, we did, because we had to talk about them for the Karsis. So episode two, we talked about Mithalars. Um, they're these magical devices that look like giant crystal balls that are 150 feet in diameter. Uh, it is, and they, they, like, enhance magic. And they kind of, uh, are, they're, they're, they literally become the hearts of these cities. Uh... Now I think someone had like they they created these they created a mythalar and so each of these cities is is a mythalar like that's that's at its center and maybe it has a bunch of like magical energy being pulled from it constantly kind of like veins running through the city uh, have you ever seen like like yeah, uh, yes I know this is a weird place to go for this Naruto now in Naruto. Not literally nothing about the actual show, but just the the makeup of the cities. If you look at pictures of Nar- the different cities in Naruto, specifically the nation hidden in the leaves, the village hidden in the leaves, there are these weird pipes like on the tops of buildings. They're not like our pipes where they go underneath and they're kind of invisible. Like there's these weird tubes running from every single building. I think it it's the 
city will look like those. And they have these pipes that run magical energy, kind of keeping everything afloat. Hmm. Maybe it's even like, maybe it even goes to specific like wizards and that are all casting fly or There's something. Okay. Some, There's like, I don't know. A couple things that I'm thinking. One. I'm thinking there's some sort of, which just kind of ties back to the objects you were talking about. I can't remember the names of them already, but there's some sort of like object that keeps the city afloat, like some sort of relic, ancient something. I also like the idea of like, this is going to sound weird. Oh, oh, okay. Idea. You had an idea? Okay. So far we have, we have three gods that are inert that have been changed we have the corruption we have the the giant tree and we have the giant titan and they've all been kind of like defeated in a way and now they are these stationary things maybe there is some innate holy energy or some sort of energy off of them maybe someone literally took the giant tree god's body it's it is the giant tree and it is what is kind of wrapped around this well, yeah, one of my... mountaintop floating. And so in the middle of one of these cities is literally this giant tree body. Maybe another one is the giant titan. Maybe the other one is like a part of the corruption that's kind of being held in this containment. And maybe it breaking free or yeah, corruption coming for it could be a cool like, like a giant story moment. Somehow is keeping the city afloat. thing to develop. Which I think would be really fun. But I also really like the idea mm-hmm. of going a little bit like advanced technology yeah. steampunk. I like that too. But do we want that in our world? But, I would I mean, say say like, that like maybe next idea. world we go I steampunk. Like the idea of it like being lost. Like there's no like just ancient lost technology. A very tropey idea. But of this like city that's floating in the sky and then all of a sudden. I mean that's also kind of anime-esque. What's that movie? There's a movie. A studio mm-hmm. Ghibli movie. That's like that. But anyways. I think that'd be really fun too. Or, I mean, yeah. we could... Yeah, ancient technology is a fun one. Like, like, Tholenthar, that literally was raised in ancient times, and just because it was preserved from the destruction of magic by going to the Shadowfell, when it returned, it could still float, because it never dealt with the destruction of magic. Uh, yeah, so it like, always I, floated, I like it never kind of fell. Stuff. And I love, I also, like, love, one of my favorite part, like, uh, campaign ideas is to, like go up and have to explore one of these. I think that'd be so fun. Like going in through this like old ruined advanced city. Okay, interesting. Okay, so here, this is this is my idea for this then. Maybe we don't flesh it out. Maybe we let if somebody wants to use this idea, they flesh it out inevitably. Eventually they will. But as of right now, there are as you said, seven cities. They're all floating. They are from an ancient civilization that has long since disappeared. I don't know why, I don't know how, whatever it is. The magic that they use to get these things, these cities to float, is still working. And maybe I like the, at the center I, yeah, of each I mean, of them is a giant tree. The magic that is doing that is gl- so far gone okay, wait, that wait, nobody wait, knows an any, like, nobody could copy that at all today. One of the cities has been taken over again by powerful wizards. Idea. And eventually it has grown into a city again. But in this city, they are still studying how and why this works. Why are these floating still? So we originally created... What is your idea? Seven, like, base races. So what happens, like, when the world... So 
what happened like what would we do if like yeah when the world collapsed these seven base races the ones that were still trying to stay true to their unique purposes like somehow brought their cities up into the sky mm-hmm. And I love the idea of them being seven unique different things based off of the seven different races. Oh, interesting. So, so... So, like, the Dragonborn City has, like, a dead dragon in it, and his, like, Oh, that, essence, okay, yes, that's, okay, I love this. this I love world. this. Gnomes have, like, a te- technological city that, like, is steampunky, and, like, they got it to float using that type of thing. Elves have this big tree for nature, you know, like... Or or humans do I guess would probably be it'd be humans right it'd be humans. Well, humans no, have so like elves elves were elves were yeah yeah humans would have the tree. Well, I guess elves would elves would actually, have yeah, these insanely have like intricate like and beautiful buildings and like and then gnomes would have like ancient yes. magic. Yes, that's who I was. Yes, I was like I was like gnome. Okay, yes, because gnomes we had were the kind of um, researchers and whatnot. Well, I, I uh, dwarves being, like, have an incredible mountain. stone like, a, city of floating mountain. Of, um, <laughs> it's literally, mountain works. Yeah. that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Where there's literally, and then I picture like dragonborns, like a dead dragon in yes. the center okay, of it, that's super and it has cool. like wings that yeah. spread out. Okay, now, now you're gonna love this question, Hunt. You're gonna love this question. What is the halfling city? Oh boy, this is the one that I have the most pro- problems with. Nobody's Maybe found it. they just don't. Nobody knows. <laughs> we'll leave it up to whoever wants to use this well, idea. That would be fun, you, though, yeah, you in, figure out what the in, what the halflings in do. In actual D anD D lore, people, it, it's really hard to actually find their villages because they're lucky. So like, they're luck, orc, yeah. orc bands would like go searching for it to like attack a halfling city, but because they're lucky, they never find mm-hmm. it, and they end up just traveling yeah. through the woods looking for the halfling village. So I think it'd be a fun idea too. To have like there's seven cities, but only six of them have been found. The other one, nobody knows where it's at. And yeah. again, these cities aren't like only elves live in this city, or only I-, I picture most of them even being abandoned. I like the idea of maybe one of them being like inhabited by wizards, and they're like like the gnomish one, and they're yes, like, that's what I was saying. They they tried to figure out how, how all this works and how they that was yeah. that so the. They all were abandoned at one point. Right. One is just one being, is being taken over. And yeah. I like to think of it like um, the game control. In the game control, there is a, a group called the Federal Bureau of Control, and they kind of study supernatural things. They have taken up residence in what's called the oldest house. It is literally just like a giant uh, business skyscraper that is a haunted house. And so part of what they're doing by residing there, having their business there, is that they are trying to understand it while they don't understand it at all. And so it kind of is almost like things happen in it that they're like, it it almost feels antagonistic against them, but it's just because they don't understand it. I also love the idea of one of these cities having like, like the wizard city, the one that the wizards are in that are like trying to figure out how uh-huh. it runs. I love yeah. the idea of like having like delving missions that they send in. There's like, there's still like weird. I don't know if I want to do like guardians or like magical entities, but like there's stuff inside that are like. Yeah, so what I think is that each of these too, cities so like was raised and, like the party would have to like delve down inside. The gods that created those, because this right, seven to, that we the created. Last ditch effort to that also, I don't, I don't think it was even a ditch balance. effort. I think it was literally like they have people inside each of those societies that still held true. Maybe they were like 
I don't, I don't know. They were just super religious or whatever, but they held true. And they were the last beacon of, of the what their the race was, quotation marks, supposed to be. And so they were like, we're going to s- separate you and save you. Right. And so they, they each rose well, these maybe, cities. Maybe there's only six cities because the seventh is halflings and halflings don't even have They blamed halflings. They, so they didn't raise Wouldn't them. That yeah, that sense? works. Yeah, they don't yeah. have one. Maybe maybe the gods of <laughs> them were, the were shunned. Created, oh, okay, like... okay. The, the gods who created them were shunned afterwards because all the other gods blamed them for destroying the balance. Yeah, and I, I like to think that those gods, as now mortals... They, they're mortal, but they live forever. So they're mortal as in they can be killed. They now live with the halflings. And the halflings, like, nobody in the world knows where halflings are. Like, there are halflings that are kind of dispersed throughout the races, but there is still, like, there's, like, tales of a hobbiton, of a halfling home. May- okay, maybe that, we, maybe we, like, it's a mythological story. Maybe we stick to seven, sis. But the halfling one was raised at a later date by these gods that were essentially shunned to make their own society yeah. and mm. nobody's been able well, to find so it I want, I want because to, of I want this to like luck in this say like that, uh, um, the people the the world believes they're six because they have all like the religious documents that say these gods raised six actually as you were saying the I seventh want... one was raised later it does exist it's just it's not the it's not common knowledge that okay. it exists no and I... as you were saying with the halfling luck People haven't found it. I, okay. Okay, no, no, no. Okay. Yes and no. Okay. My idea, and I think you're going to like this, is there are... It's canon that there are six cities. Okay? Uh-huh. Um, those cities... Okay, I, I like this idea a lot. These six cities were all abandoned, and they formed a last... The, them together all formed one last city, like called Harmony or something, and that is like the perfect one. And it still exists today as the perfect balanced place, but nobody knows where it's at. And it has all the seven base races, but it exists okay. in perfect harmony. Now, I still want this to be made later, and I still survived. want the no, it is. mortal so what GDs thinking, who created the halflings to exist there. Yeah, so what I'm thinking... Well, this is what, this is what I'm thinking. So, these six cities failed in becoming balanced. So, all of the gods raised yeah, theirs yeah. thinking so. The two that were shunned decided why don't we combine all these races to create the perfect balance and they achieved mm-hmm. the perfect balance and hid their city away forever yeah. and so these and so I want it these to be, two gods I, I that want, were I want, that ruined yeah. the balance yes. actually achieved and that's cool. their balance now i want their i want the i want it to be halfling folklore like halfling like a a um what do they call that the uh, a verbal history a, well, I love a, the idea um, of yeah, like where the, like, the halflings know there is a home for them. Like we have, there is this place, this mythical place where halflings are welcome. Like this thing that they that like they all talk about, and kind of maybe it's even become like see, how I like see ever, this. everybody really blows it off and like haha yeah or maybe like there's there is um kind of like mm-hmm. words in their culture and different things that kind of are built around this without actually believing in it like uh how our how our language has changed based on the heavy influence of christianity and things like that the other the other races live there i was just thinking of how like i never like to have everything in the world be unknown to players i like to have like little hints sprinkled in different places 
And so by having like one race or one or like maybe it's one location, everybody in this location kind of has heard the stories of this place and it's become a part of their like lexicon. They're part of their their words and culture they use in humanoid society. There's mm-hmm. a tale called the seventh city and it's like a child story of like when you're sad remember that there is a seventh city you know like look like to that the seventh type of thing city we're like right like um there's like there were six cities before the seventh was you know like the seventh perfect one was mm-hmm. created this like kind of like kids when story, you're having you trouble sleeping you count your cities right right that type of thing and so there's always this reference to a hidden seventh city um mm. but nobody knows where it is or nobody thinks it's real yeah and i love the idea of like halflings um because their gods are like shunned they have and their gods were the ones that created the seventh city um halflings have this like weird um i don't know if i want to say tradition but they have like a a i guess tradition Mm. of like celebrating the seventh city to give even more hints and so i think it'd be like really fun and so you're your party would like go through mm-hmm. like city hopping through these yeah, like that's, that's six different cities searching and then for the like seventh city. search for the seventh city now i don't know what you would like i don't know how you'd run that or what you what you'd create as like problems like i mean but i think it'd be super interesting like this whole topic of like searching for the seventh city this like mm-hmm. perfect harmony maybe having and then maybe be really having that be like find a, it there'd be like maybe a whole have civilization like the corruption and all that the big bad end by like level 16 or something and then the last half is searching for this mythological, historical or, final city, the final or, or resting place like, of heroes. Yeah, or we could do the corruption is searching for the seventh city also. Like there's some something in the seventh city that will allow. Oh, it maybe to the seventh city the somehow the in, like it's like the heart is of the like latched to the or? heart. Well, no, let, yeah, in in yeah, I was gonna say because the material plane is the body of. The creation god, because right. there was a mixture of the creation god and then there was the the corruption. Now this creation god's heart is in the seventh city, right? And the halflings used their the halfling gods used their like luck and to their, avoid the know, corruption's like, detection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and created the yeah. last seventh city, and now it's only referenced in myths and okay. Like, yes, this is child stories. I, Love this so yeah. far. And this then, is super cool. And so the, uh, the the campaign is the players rushing yeah, to find the seventh city the, before the their corruption spreads. Is, but you don't find that out right. till a while. Right. But yeah, that's super cool. Finding out that that's what the that's what the corruption's doing, searching for the seventh city. Oh, I just oh. love the searching for the yeah, seventh city. This is city. awesome. It sounds, it's such a good campaign name. It is. It is. Oh. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's so, so cool. <laughs> Man, oh, some, some of these campaign you with it. Too. some of these weeks we come up with stuff that's so awesome. I'm just like, this is amazing. I love this. Uh, yeah, the search for the seventh city. Shoot. Okay, so we have the elves. We have <laughs> shoot is right. Oh man, we have elves, dwarves. What do, what does an orc city look like? Uh, is it oh, like so, a bastion uh, yeah, of war? Like mm. what? Like what is? How do what? What do we? I mean, I like the idea of just like a traditional yeah. floating city, but with like guns and weaponry and. A giant fortress, essentially. I mean, not guns, but no, but yeah, but like weaponry <laughs> yeah. and like, okay. like a giant okay. fortress. So in citadel, in the games, uh, uh, oh gosh, what's the second game called? I think it's called Shadow of War. I think the first one's called Shadow of Mordor. Yes, yeah, I think you're correct. 
Okay, so the first one, Shadow of Mordor. Second one, Shadow of War. Now, whoa, whoa, whoa. Those Shadow of... In... I know, I know. Wow. I just felt that fall apart as I was saying it. Oh, <laughs> I was like, boy. this is not going well. In the floating. second one, Shadow of War, you have to... Like, one of the main parts of this game is fighting the Urukai and getting taking down one of the like their giant citadels. I think their whole city is like looks like one of the giant citadels the the, the things you have to take over in Shadow of War. Yeah, They're very no, like I, spiky and like yeah, I don't know what type exactly of architecture you call it. Yes. I mean it's very it's, tr- so it's very good. like barbar barbaric um yeah, I mean, I don't know how you describe it either. Besides tribal, barbaric. Yeah, I mean, it's like it, this yeah, dark like architecture. It's like this like dark kind of siding, like yeah, dark metals and yeah. things that no. make up the. Oh, it's real cool. Yeah, like a giant. Yeah, citadel it's, yeah this is in the sky. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's good for orcs. Um, the dwarves are a mountain, a mountain which is great yep. as well. Yeah, I think that's super cool, floating mountain. And I even like the idea of like. The floating mountain is like hidden within like a bunch of floating islands. Yeah, like natural yeah, floating too. islands. Yeah, I think, that, I think that works. I think that's cool. What's that for um, dwarves? Or what's that way? So we have so, so first it's, it's humans, which humans, we already have, which is like elves, a life tree. Dragon, elves, which oh, is like humans, elves, orcs. Orcs are the dragonborn. Single. Dragonborn. I like the idea of like a dead dragon. Like they're on the backs of they're like like a dead dragon is in the middle Could of their city. Could they be on a giant you can flying see like dragon turtle? Structures that like rise up. I feel like that's weird. I feel like you're weird. Dragon turtle um, flying. Well, so I was just thinking that like. Because it's it's a well, it makes thinking, more like, sense an old ancient dragon wise like the flat yeah, kind I, of I'm not shell. Saying that the, I'm saying I'm not saying that the um the island is a a, a dead dragon. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that the dead dragon essentially caused it to fl- float. Okay. Somehow I don't know how that works, but somehow <laughs> I just yeah, like I was the idea say, what do you, of another I don't kind of militaristic how, but, um, um city with like a dead dragon in the middle and maybe like the bone structure is like a big arena. Um, yeah. I like that a lot. I even like, or I, mean, yeah, I don't or think it I like needs to be an arena, but yeah, being like an upside down like Aztec pyramid with like hanging gardens that kind of hang from it. I think, I, that'd be I really think fun the dragon's too, a good one but, for for yeah. mm-hmm. Dragonborn, even though in I, I will say this to anybody who knows the lore that Dragonborn in D and D absolutely despise dragons. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, here it's just they have a dragon on their city, a dead dragon. Um, I think yep. that's really fun. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. What's after Dragonborn? Gnomes. Okay. And there's yes, like the high tech advanced magical society. And so <clears throat> the high tech, not high tech, but high magic society that the wizards have discovered and are like trying to figure mm-hmm. out how the magic. Okay. Uh, yeah. Is used and, to uh, make okay. it float. I think and I it, think that the gnome city is full of vast libraries, and these libraries consist of. Like they have a bunch of like um, magical defenses and things. I definitely like the idea of and big so libraries. these yeah because they documented so much stuff yeah and so they're they're, they're like all about knowledge and, and and so that's why like the yeah history and recording all of it and and so that's why the wizards and stuff when they found a few of the cities this is the one they wanted to go to most because it has the most recorded history and things that they can use things that they find interesting. No, I like this. I think I also kind of want one of these cities. I also kind of yes. want one of these and cities, so maybe then, the human city. Yeah. People are, like, trying to resettle it, like, and re... Because I really like the idea of, like, well, so that's an airship I was thinking. or something. I was thinking that it was, it was, it was, 
it was mutual. So they were quotation marks resettling, but there was also wizards there. Yeah. Like wizards yeah, are like studying. I like the idea of but people are trying to live. It's there. like almost like people trying so to settle trying Mars to now. This. Not that dangerous. They're but what I'm saying is like you can take the next airship. You know, like city number four. You know, like <laughs> like that type of thing, and restart your life. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> it's that's what I was thinking. So I think it oh started gosh. as like researchers because they were the only ones who would pay to go there then all of a sudden there was these a constant like uh not merchants but i don't even know if it's traders but just shipments like supplies being shipped there and so people began going with the supplies and being like hey like can i set up here too and then they'll be like yeah sure and then eventually another grew and grew and grew we might add this we might not add this okay but i love i also really enjoy the idea of Maybe like the Orc Citadel or something being a place where like they've dumped prisoners. Interesting. Like an Alcatraz, but but a floating city. Uh, so okay. Oh, absolutely. Is it guarded? Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Is the are there guards? Okay. I do like that idea. Is it too. Like, okay? Is it more okay? Now the question is: It more like in Australia or is it more like I mean, an I see Alcatraz? It probably more like an Alcatraz than in Australia. So it's not going to develop into anything. No, but it's just like a, because they've been separated yeah, from like their the, one. It's the one of the cities that they've managed to like. Yeah, and they, they just... So which city do you think that is? Citadel? Do you, I, it's I, like a... Okay. Or do you think it's the gnome? I mean, uh, the dwarf. Oh, no, sorry. The dwarf is the, the mountain. Dragonborn I would keep one? thinking that it's a stone one. Um, I kind of like the dragonborn because you said there was a, well, I like, was thinking, fighting like, the dead dragonbone structure. This would be a terrible, terrible oh, it'd be, jail. it would be great. Like, oh, they would, they would treat their people yeah, terribly. But they, they throw them in like the, they, the fighting, they fighting and yeah. slavery oh, and yeah. like it's terror. It's like yep. it's like a yep. legion camp in Fallout New Vegas yes. type and stuff. They've settled this city, settled by essentially they throw prisoners like yep. murderers and you know they just like throw them into this city. Oh, yeah. I think but I think again, we have, I'm not sure if we want to keep. I that, think we but. have all the cities. We got the human, elf, orc, dragonborn, gnome, yeah. and half the question. What else am I missing? Human, elf, orc, dragonborn, gnome. Oh, there's one more that we're missing, right? So oh, we have dwarf. Six. Did we get the dwarf so one? I will oh, yeah, we did. did we? No, I think that's what I was missing. Okay. So gnome, yep. dwarf, yep. and then halfling. That's what it is. Okay. Well, I think now that we have all of them and we've kind of made this and we thought about the awesome, awesome story that we have, uh, I think I'm going to call it for uh, yeah. episode 25. Yeah. Of Dungeoneered. Been a long time coming already. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. Um, It's been a long road. Getting from there to here. Oh my, okay. It's been a long time. No. But my, fine, my yep. time is yep. finally near. I'm sure you will. I will yep. see my dreams come I'm alive at last. Sure. I will not. touch the sky. <laughs> and they're not going to hold Jeez. me back no more. <laughs> just... Just to end the episode, <laughs> alright? Just to end the episode. <laughs> now, if anybody gets that reference, you're great. Thank you. <laughs> okay, fine, fine, fine. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been a re- actually really fun <laughs> yeah. episode, and I hope to keep looking into more Dalton Thar more like in future in episodes because I loved this. I had so much fun. Dude. Now, uh, <laughs> well, it won't be exactly Dalton Thar, but it'll be so Telemont's family and Melagont and and. Uh, Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Galeron, yeah. Well, thank you for listening. Remember, always be the sharpest barrel in the bunch. See you next time.
Bye. There you go.